2: believers and happy new year welcome to leaving Hillsong 2023 I am so excited that you have decided to spend time with us more time talking about the court case the court case so uh where to begin um look if you haven't listened to the other two parts of week one i highly advise that you do do that jake elliott from the framework account is with me and we are just doing our best from our notes um, as we explain during the thing so you know it was like just taking notes live action uh rambo style really so Thank you. I'll try and explain a few of the main characters just to kind of give you a a quick refresher, you know, just continuing with the Netflix theme. It's just like a, you know, last season kind of thing. (laughs) It's So the series of events goes like this. Brett Sengstock disclosed child sexual assault by Frank Houston to his mother, Around the late 70s, 20 years later, she was at a church run by a pastor called Barbara Taylor, who had already testified, you could hear that in earlier episodes, Uh, and they were hosting an event by an evangelist called Kevin, quote, Mad Dog Mudford. Brett's mother attended that event and she felt uh, compelled to disclose Brett's disclosure to her years earlier to Barbara Taylor and Kevin Mudford. After a confrontation between Mudford and Taylor and Brett at Brett's house, Barbara Taylor began to write a series of letters to Frank Houston and Brian Houston trying to organize a meeting and you know there was so many things that came from that uh further to that john mcmartin was the state president of the national executive of the assemblies of god which is the middle governance level i just found out so there's district national, state and national executive as governance bodies of the assemblies of god they're in charge like they're it uh they're in charge of credentialing and taking credentials away and i don't know what else but disciplinary things apparently and then there's george agajanian who we're told kevin mudford became uh, so frustrated with not hearing back that he eventually called hillsong and spoke to george agajanian the business manager of Hillsong at the time or whatever it was called uh who then uh historically the story goes relayed the information to Brian Houston for the first time as Brian was shocked that was the first time he'd heard it so far we've heard about uh ongoing attempts by Pastor Barbara Taylor to contact these men and you know it took her months and months and she told bits and pieces to John McMartin and then he was called to testify right after George but like I said we're kind of you know Prince Harrying it here we're doing the very best with our notes and our memories and stuff uh, if you will. The other person involved here that we talk about Bolton is Philip Bolton the defence barrister for the accused so here we are with part three of week one of the court case enjoy
0: are we ready for johnny mac
3: i think so so Um.
0: on the 8th of december John McMartin, the 30-year veteran of the AOG, uh, Pastor Johnny Mac, took the oath and he also took the option of a Section 128 where his evidence will not incriminate him, he will get immunity, or if it, sorry, if it does incriminate him, he will get immunity unless the information that they give under this act is false. So if they perjure themselves they're still up for perjury but apart from that you know apparently they get immunity because that's how important the evidence is so so he said to him what was your role he said he was the senior pastor of inspire church he left two years ago Mm -hmm. are you still a pastor now the prosecution um, asked him he said no you were the acc national no, sorry be the acc state president right. so john mcmartin you were the acc president from 2008 to 2018 because brian uh, stepped aside from being the president yeah i think he was the state yeah he was the state president because he passed the whole problem is he passes it on to brian who's national yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay got right. so john mcmartin was asked Uh, So, John McMartin, you were the ACC National President from 2008 to 2018. When did you get information about Frank Houston's assault against a boy? When they asked John McMartin, when did you first get information uh, that Frank Houston was alleged to be a pedophile, John McMartin said,
3: I'm pretty sure John McMartin said it was September. He
0: said, I got it in my, like, we were so shocked. We were so, like, what, um,
3: 99, it's a different, like, because he got allegations from Barbara Taylor, but he never got a name of the perpetrator and he never got the name of the victim. And apparently he was asking her again and again, I need this information. So that, and then you need to also provide a statement. And Barbara Taylor wouldn't do that until September of 1999. And when he found out it was Frank Houston, he, he said that the pressure was now suddenly on him.
0: That is John McMartin's testimony. Uh, that he, yeah, he said he first heard the allegations in yeah, um, November 1998. There was a huge debate regarding his memory of, uh, you know, he spoke to him, Mudford or Taylor first. Uh,
3: what was interesting with Bolton taking on McMartin was Bolton was going, so you really don't really have any recollection at all until you were looking at some of the papers from the Royal Commission. And he was like, yes. So there was a huge discussion around what you actually knew at that time that he, that's genuine versus you looking at a piece of paper and getting a bit of a flashback almost to events. But what was interesting was the fact that um, in around about September and November, his memory was quite good without those pieces of paper, from what I understood. From my takeaway from what he said on the stand, he, got, he, he was speaking quite genuinely about what he knew without paper right. in September of 1999 and yes. uh, November 1999, with that phone conversation. It was interesting that he was happy to talk more openly about what he remembered in September of 1999 and November 1999, without any paper prompting him he seemed to be quite knowledgeable about those areas but he did seem to confuse dates occasionally
0: okay and then I mean Bolton did his thing again didn't he
3: of I'll, I'll just talk to this for a bit of a timeline so Mad um... Dog Mumford and Barbara Taylor apparently approached John Martin towards the end of the late 1998 and he said he had a vague memory of being approached by Mad Dog and Taylor and when asked what did they t- what did they tell you? He said they told me there was an accusation against the senior minister.
0: Yeah, he said he was miffed when he found out that it had it was Frank uh, ten months later. You know he said he could have done something about it. And that's when he says Barbara Taylor had testified that she had written a letter to John McMartin
3: in May, yes.
0: Martin denied receiving this letter. Barbara Taylor refused to tell him she had testified as well. Uh, you know, she had held Frank, everyone had held Frank in such high esteem. It was yeah. you know, really hadn't wanted to name a name in case it wasn't true. Well, She was just small. And John McMartin testifies that he said, go tell Brian if you can't tell me. Uh, and yeah. that's you know, maybe that's why she wrote letters. Who knows who actually said what when he says that
3: with Mad Dog in that meeting, it was a face to face meeting. Uh, Martin confirmed that. Um, and do you know where that took place? No, but later on, I think he said that it, it actually happened at his church. Yes. And he made the comment that Mumford was actually um, a, a church attendee as well.
0: Right. And Mudford and had been living in a spare house that the church owned or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, why he was itinerant like and evangelizing around the place. And John McMartin was asked if he could, you know, say that he was on pretty good terms with a mad dog. And he said, no, not really. Because it all does become very interesting. Who knew what went how? Mm-hmm. And then John McMartin says that when he found out how long before he then calls Brian.
3: Oof This really got weird because he did say September, early October, he was talking to Alcorn, and he made it sound that he contacted Brian not long after that in September. And he did say September, but then he he, he kind of kept saying November as well, Uh, to the point that uh, it was the prosecution that said, we are talking about November, right? And he didn't even answer that question. And everything was framed between 1998 November to September 1999. And here he is talking about... A conversation he's having with Brian Houston in that September time period. Yeah. So that, that it, it confused me, but it, that conversation happened in November at some point.
0: So John McMartin insists that at some point he called Brian on the phone and said there are allegations against your father. Brian was shocked. He said, Is this true? And McMartin responded, his evidence was that he said, I don't know. But it needs to be investigated. Yeah. I think, was that the conclusion of day four?
3: Yeah. Nearly there. So M- M- Martin was in the afternoon, uh, late later afternoon, and George O'Kajani did say some really startling things.
0: Okay, so I think I've jumped ahead a little bit too far, and I just didn't give you the chance to talk about that because it's what it's like being in you know the, like it's like watching a netflix show and there were like five episodes but like you press pause at different points and it's a bit of a blur right you try and take notes of a netflix uh thing that i don't even the, the media have an audio visual link they mm-hmm. are able to stream it they are not able to record it it's yeah. illegal for them to record it so there's mm-hmm. You know we've got limited <laughs> access to what took place, as you know, in terms of records at this stage. So we're just doing our best. And I'm sorry, Jake, you had um, you had more stuff on George. So John McMartin actually was the afternoon of day four, the Thursday, and then he followed on into Friday, the ninth. So yeah. I've missed a chunk of George in the morning of day four I'm sorry my friend please jump in
3: okay so one one starting revelation that um, he gave to us was that Hazel Houston was a pastor and he asked was was she actually a pastor quote yes she was a pastor by CLC Uh, close quote a bit of a pause and then he said I found out overnight so he just obviously left the court the previous day and asked around and, and everyone was like oh yeah Hazel was a pastor of CLC so, this is important because they were discussing Hazel and Frank's retirement package, with Brent Senstock allegation and the AAG executive meeting in December of 1999. There was a period of nine months where they were just still trying to manage Brett Senstock until another victim came forward from New Zealand that Brian Houston met with, uh, the psychologist victim, remember that? This victim um, requested three things and Brian Houston in the year 2000 brought his attention to the board as well, um, the Hillsong board in the, in um, November 2000. My dates are all over the place, so forgive me.
0: Is this George's testimony?
3: It, it, it's about to come up. He was part of the Hillsong executive meeting in Hillsong board meeting in 2000 to deal with, I, I actually thought the New Zealand complaint. But what I found out was said that they were there in that executive board meeting at the Hillsong board meeting, that's the document uh, to discuss not just Brett Senstock, but also to discuss this New Zealand victim as well.
0: Okay, so when did this meet? This is George's testimony. Yeah. And when was that meeting held?
3: Uh, it was in November 2000. I forgot the I didn't write the day down exactly, but on my Instagram you can see okay. that letter. But there was a section on it that said retirement letter. Frank's resignation that it was tabled, it was agreed that John Mays should respond on behalf of the elders, thanking Frank for his immeasurable contribution to the church. They asked the question to George Agajanian, When did Frank Houston cease to be an employer of the church? And he said, I believe in the late 2000s. Quote, his decision was to cut him from the payroll. Agajanian's response was, Quote, he was still working for the Sydney CLC. He was still on the payroll until the end of 2000. So I found that fascinating absolutely
0: fascinating okay. okay so his credentials were strict yeah and yet he was as such on a payroll i mean we know that frank and hazel houston were uh supported financially by hillsong or whoever the they were named at the time um until their deaths and you know their rent was paid and stuff so
3: and that. so this is important because, because Navi um, and George, which I found out in this, this week, were, were the ones responsible for the merging of these two churches. So the question was asked to George.
0: What happened there?
3: So the question was asked to George, was Brian on the board of the Sydney CLC at the time? And he said he wasn't sure, but he was senior pastor. So it looks like there was just a lot of, like, leadership overlap and no one knew, like, who was responsible for what... At, in the middle of the merge between Sydney CLC and um, Hill CLC, so they were trying to extract information like who was responsible, who was with what, what leader was responsible for what, like was John Mays according to right. this person or that person. Right. So it was a very confusing time when everything was being merged. Oh, oh, oh! oh this big one. It was uh, the question was after George Augustani quote, "I understood that Frank Houston committed a crime." Close quote. and his response, by the year two thousand, yes. By the so year. I found that interesting. I don't know um, why he said that.
0: And for those who, you know, are real players along at home, there was a doctor on the board of directors or elders. Elders? Yeah. For such a long time, Dr Gordon Lee, who only resigned from his duties, I don't know, six, eight months ago. He it was Frank's physician time. and...
3: It was common knowledge that and um, gordon lee was frank's personal doctor
0: well it i mean what what was revealed as well this week is something that people had wondered as to who had diagnosed frank with alzheimer's dementia because much of you know much of the reasons given for particular decisions made regarding the church or you know regarding Frank's position or, or various leaders positions was due to his failing health as the defense had mentioned in opening statements their claim is that Frank Houston was old and old for his age it was likely he was suffering uh, with dementia and that he was been diagnosed around 1999 and it's just been another interesting uh, details that it was an elder of the church who, you know, someone closer to his personal physician that made that diagnosis hmm. and uh, nobody else independent. It, it became interesting. In the future, it
3: became relevant. So I've got here, that they actually said the date of that diagnosis was March 2003. It said like they were trying to, it was like, a, like observing his decline back in uh, three or four years ago. Obviously, he might have said something maybe in 1999 and then March 2003, he was diagnosed. He observed these tendencies three to four years earlier. It was all conversation. We couldn't see the document, but they were talking about the nature of the diagnosis and reading, reading bits of it out of summarizing it. So what was interesting as well is some audio and footage of Hillsong Conference were being played of Brian Houston recalling his handling of his father when George came to talk to him about, I've got terrible news about your father. I just found it interesting to see George's reaction from the stand while that video and audio was being played. And they were kind of just grilling him on that information. So the audio that, at that stage, Johnny was hearing was, quote, a couple of years ago, I received the worst news of my life. My father, who was my hero, was accused of sexual abuse. I had to confront my father, who I love and still loves. That was the video from 2002, July 12th. So they had the entire conference, obviously, on a USB stick that's It went for about two hours. We just watched the end of it. One hour and 55 minutes. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist,
0: fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Same, and they just grilled them about these audio bits. I didn't really know why, particularly, but
0: they did. I mean, that's been the unexpectedly exciting part of this case and why i think it's so important to talk about it because you know if these boys had their way people would continue to think that it's just a crime that's alleged from a long time ago and who knows why they're bringing it all up but it is very clear that the prosecution has a a whole kind of um well a case to make a plot to outline that they would propose and it's not evident when you watch it why things are happening hey
3: but what i interesting with brian recalling it it's that he said quote the, um, the reason i'm still here is because thank god i have a relationship with god transforms lives that was from the video
0: that in evidence isn't it yeah
3: yeah That's what brian said in that video and well so, let's mm-hmm. so, 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 so talk about like did you tell brian like if you did talk about his father what words to say so there was, just, there was just conversation around that with George Aguijanian. Were, were they broadcast Channel 10 every morning? Was that marketed? I assume so, meaning like being sold outside Did these entire like segments of the, the Hillsong Conference in 2002. Was, it, was that video televised? I assume so. And they were talking about it being viewed on Channel 10 in the morning. So Brian Houston was openly talking about his father committing sexual abuse. But for some reason, this fell into George's lap to talk about this and explain this. So I found that interesting
0: we yeah it's i mean they've had the uh, the dpp has had around two years i think to prepare for this or what three when did the investigation begin 2019 i think Mm -hmm. so the the dpp's had since uh i think the investigation started in 2019 and uh they've had a lot of time to prepare and it's um turning out to be quite a twister and a turner which brings us into day five
3: mm-hmm. again Yep.
0: because come on raise your voice tell me a story what happened because
3: well
0: john i mean you were saying john mcmartin seemed to be able to recall a whole series of events without referring to any notes when he was questioned initially and then mm-hmm. the fence asked him and he started going this kind of really deep crimson colour so he's a tanned man but he's going this kind of but it was, you know it was kind of like a I don't know like a like a lovely wine like a lovely red wine colour uh all over his face as he was sort of trying to remember stuff
3: yeah so um what was interesting about his ways he was trying to remember information was because um he usually had pieces of paper to help prompt him Okay, so at some point in talking, engaging with Martin Bolton, Mrs Bolton, he was asking, like, like there was conversation about the letter that he never got from Barbara Taylor, the May, the May letter, where she actually disclosed more information about Frank Houston, okay. that letter that he never got in 1999. May
0: 1999. That never received.
3: That's right. So, yeah, in, in May 1999, Barbara Taylor did try to get... John McMartin a letter getting more details about Frank Houston and Beth Senstock and Bolton was going a bit more severe towards John McMartin saying, saying things like if you were looking at those details in that letter you would know that she is talking about Frank Houston so why didn't you do anything he's still going I, I didn't get that letter I, I haven't seen that letter this going down an interesting turn quote did you keep all your correspondence in your church close quote unless it was a Christmas card, everything was thrown in storage for seven years. And That's up- it's crazy so up seven years, things were disposable, but, but we would keep the important information. And so down this avenue of conversation, to speed this up, he made a comment that he did have pieces of paper in a Frank Houston file. And that was his words, a Frank Houston file. And everyone was kind of like, "Wait, what, you had a Frank Houston file and suddenly that just disappeared? Like, I was thinking that, going, what's going on here?
0: It was a moment. So, you know, again, if it was a movie, like, we were all, well, us, like, four rubies on the side, like...
3: So from talking quickly about this letter to saying that he kept stuff in his church, but then having is the paper in a Frank Houston file, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone was like, did we just hear that? Bolton it, was, yeah,
0: it was September 99 I mean if you're a real like tragic like well mm. if you're a close follower it's like <clears throat> huh okay oh yeah. Ooh, I hope there's no ad break soon next
3: yeah <laughs> yeah so he was talking about the pieces of paper in his Frank Houston style and quote he tossed them in the bin at some point and everyone was like wait you toss what out and very quickly it was asked, please provide the context. When did you have this and when did you toss this into the bin? Mm. And he disclosed the fact that at the Royal Commission, as he, just before the Royal Commission, when he was preparing his statement, he had those pieces of paper. And he was using those pieces of paper to help him write his statement. And he made it very clear that after he had wrote that statement,
0: mm.
3: he took those pieces of paper and, quote, tossed them in the bin, close quote.
0: I could literally and threw them away, which very quickly after that, a subpoena was ordered for precisely what? Documents from Inspire Church that John had left.
3: As soon as he said that, both sides were kind of like standing up and talking to the magistrate going, talking about subpoena. And it was hard to understand what they were talking about so quickly, but it seemed urgent. And they were looking at subpoenaing. they subpoenaed Inspire Church to get the documents from there straight away
0: (laughs) well the request was made I believe by the defense for the documents to be subpoenaed Uh, yeah and that they be returned by the end of the court day and I've been wondering if there was some kind of like raid by the police and filing cabinets getting flung around the place but they were returned by the end of the court day. The defense held up a, a you know a yellow envelope. like a business envelope and said, uh, there's two sets of documents in here. One of them is privileged information. Mr. McMartin has a solicitor present in court. The solicitor then identified himself. And he's got a lot of reading to do this weekend you know, there's going to be decisions made about which of those documents are admissible or not. That's the cliffhanger, I think, isn't
3: it? It was. The ironic thing was, is that Keith Ainge was summoned to the stand. He only had a few minutes, and all the right. documents came in, and that was it. <laughs> we came back from lunch to listen to Keith Ainge, and it didn't go for too long at all until the documents came coming, came into the room. <laughs> He was like the admin, wasn't he? Wasn't he the admin of the executive? Uh, the
0: secretary?
3: So he was the one that was responsible for the minutes in the December 22nd, ninety nine, executive meeting That's discussing right. Frank and the victim. Yeah, so Martin left in, in, in the third recess and coming back we had Keith Ainge to talk, take the stand and that meeting was really important because that was when Brian Houston told everyone there about Frank and this victim and up to them now to deal with this situation he was he was there to talk about what happened in that meeting and so um they asked what's he currently doing and he said that he's currently working for hillsong church in relation to credentials so i found that interesting he's still working for hillsong but back in 1999 he was a full-time secretary based in melbourne and one of his functions of that role was to take minutes of meetings and he was aware of francistan's allegations apparently so, what I found really important about that meeting from his testimony was, quote, everyone arrived not knowing what that meeting was about. So, when Brian told everyone to meet at that December okay. 20 executive meeting in 1999, he made it very clear that no one knew about Frank at that point. They all rocked it? up. Okay. And he, this meeting happened at the Qantas Club at Sydney Airport. The question asked to uh, Keith Ainge, quote, did you contact all the other people to attend? His response, my office did. Um, When I came into that meeting, I knew nothing. I don't know what details he'd been given, Wayne Alcorn, another person who was there. Brian Houston apparently just said something at the very beginning of that meeting and then handed it over to, from Keith Ainge's understanding, John Lewis. Um, so it's interesting, um, Brian Houston didn't leave the room. Uh, Keith Anch said that he was in the room watching the meeting.
0: Hang on and, um, Okay. Mm? Okay.
3: So I just want to read out one really important quote from that minutes meeting, which anyone can access from the Royal Commission. It said, it was noted that an allegation has been made against Reverend Frank Houston of a single act of sexual abuse more than 30 years ago. The complainant does not wish to be identified and does not wish to make a formal complaint, but Frank Houston has confessed to the act, close quote. So they talked about him regarding the nature of what Houston said in that meeting and what he observed people in that meeting were saying regarding this revelation. Okay. And what I found interesting, Keith Ains said, because no one knew the nature of the meeting, there was no manual in that meeting. So everyone came in completely shocked and disarmed. That was a real yep. bombshell revelation. What and a merry watching. that
0: must have been. Thank you, Brian. Go home to your families with... That one, boys. Little morsels this trial provides. I tell you what, Oof. the morsel.
3: Um, so know. I've got a, I've got something that looks like a quote here in my notes. I didn't have the manual. We didn't have the manual in this meeting because we didn't know what the meeting was about. They did proceed to deal with the matter, quote, on the basis that they did receive a confession. Close quote. Quote. There was no formal complaint. Close quote. Information provided by Brian Houston. So that's. It looked as though they were very limited on the information that they received from Brian Houston and they did their best to follow through mm.
1: um,
0: what else did Ainge Mr Ainge say
3: after lunch he took the stand and wow in comes all the documents the subpoenaed documents <laughs> big yellow A4 package full to the brim of documents from Inspired the Church and that was it for him
0: <laughs> yeah and that's where yeah the solicitors started nodding and chatting and calling each other my friend my friend as what is uh the standard uh, term that lawyers use here so there was a lot of my friend my friend and uh like we said uh mr mcmartin fairly young solicitors got a lot of paperwork to get through fairly soon what else happened after that jakey
3: sat around getting up we saw people walk in and out we saw um the prosecution and then the defense walking in and out Brian Houston was called out at some point
0: that's right he had um, to sit outside for a while while things were being discussed
3: yeah the everything was very active in the <laughs> last 45 minutes of the day and and uh, Bolton came in and was like talking about how he handled all the documents and how the prosecution handled the documents it was like a legal thing that they had to do so that no one saw anything specifically.
0: One of the outcomes is that the accused is excused from court on Monday yeah. morning. So Brian will get to have a bit of a sleep in while they assess this information.
3: Quite a surreal experience just sitting there thinking, okay, it might come in. But the, how quick it happened, that was impressive. Yeah, think, <laughs> that was really
0: impressive. What happened on the other side? I guess the idea is in any trial where they're going to subpoena contentious documents or something, the people on the other side might freak out or something. And so I guess that's why they have to act really quickly and they acted really quickly. But it's already
3: categorised as well. Wow. Mm, mm.
0: Well, I mean, we don't have precise estimates, but these are some of the finest uh, legal assistants. Money can buy, and that's where. See, this is where you kind of run into Brian in the hallway because you're someone like me, and are like, oh, I'll just take a quick bathroom break while those boys are talking about this and that, the pieces of paper. And you kind of run into Brian, who's waiting outside, uh, while the matter's being discussed in that narrow hallway I was telling you about earlier. It's uh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's been this such a just week one. <laughs> It's like being on the Hillsong Pentecostal AOG movie set. Not oh, yeah. And doing these like unwanted cameos because
3: mm.
0: yeah, uh, we're not exactly you know what I mean. We're not exactly highly welcomed. Everyone's mm. keeping a respectful distance, which is fantastic. And um, I will see you mm. in court Monday, Jake.
3: And tell guess what? The best is yet to come out.
0: Well, the best is yet to come out, Jane, you're right. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. um, or possibly the worst is yet to come out. But, you know, we're going to turn it into some good. So we're going to see some good things happening. I, I I truly believe that as awful and as uh, excruciating as some of this is, I I really think it's going to open some doors and drag some stuff into yes. the sun so yep. what else can we do as for predictions of an outcome i you know i wouldn't even take it upon myself this is a you know this is a highly skilled legal team there's a barrister that we oh refer to this bolt and then he's got it's three, three solicitors with him instructing him so you know there's folders and folders and folders of 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 you know their paperwork and stuff so it's on but, yeah, I wouldn't take it upon myself to predict an outcome because we just don't no know. Way. This is just a twisting plot. What's coming next? Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Jake.
3: Yeah, it's been a pleasure being on. Um, um, we awesome. so everyone awesome. Yeah, the best is yet to come out or the worst is yet to come out. I know a lot of people have been hurt by these Pentecostal churches and other churches around Australia or around the world, and I think we can all look at this case and go, what, what can we learn from this? Uh, down the track. Only good stuff can come out if you think about it, because we can, we can learn from this. I don't know what your thoughts are, everyone. I'd like to see what you can bring to the table in the next few weeks just talking about how as the church we can actually do better. How can we do good after this is double done and dusted?
1: I would
0: echo that in terms of our community. It's It's not just up to the churches. The Royal Commission was into institutional responses into child sexual abuse. Not church responses. Not religious responses. It's how we, as a community,
3: mm-hmm.
0: prioritise safeguarding kids, and you know, also you know, so many other things. Dealing with the uncomfortable and addressing power yeah. and documentation. Gotta tell you, write it down, people. Write it down. Put a date next to it. Absolutely. Okay.
3: Mm. Thank so you. Thank you,
0: Kenya.
3: See See you, you
0: at the cafe.
3: bye
2: well thank you so much if you've made it this far i hope it's been illuminating for you Uh, if you've got any questions of course send them along um please don't add speculation on social media i'll have to you know remove those comments because we're still under sub judice until the verdict has been delivered We still need not to speculate, not to talk about guilt or innocence or what we think should happen to anybody, that kind of thing. And the reason that there has been a delay until June, if it hasn't been clear, is pretty much just the backlog of New South Wales courts where we live still due to COVID. So there are closing arguments to be made and that's been set down as two days one for each side and there just wasn't two days available the judge said that's the best I could do to get everybody kind of their diaries aligned so there's nothing sinister except for a bureaucracy this time thank you again for your support your messages it's been fantastic it has been you know it, it's it was grueling it was fascinating uh and very grueling so jake and i are doing our best to bring you the rest of the court case we've tried and you know between our notes and yeah our memories uh we want to be as accurate as possible so our last attempt didn't work and um we'll be bringing you the rest of this really interesting trial because there's some incredible moments to talk about in week two and in week three stay tuned uh please keep looking after yourselves please keep sending messages and likes and shares and follows and all that kind of thing please be kind to yourselves and yeah be kind to other people it's a smart move and we'll talk more about that soon Oh, yeah. One more thing. So we didn't actually cover opening arguments, but I've got endless notes on it. So I'm just going to check with legals that I've got it right. And I will bring that to you because, it, you know, this is what the, the case and the defense are all based on. And it's it's quite interesting. So keep leaving Hillsong and we'll talk soon. Bye.